four out of five children who walk in into the family court system crawl out of it semi often oh. you know by semi often that means is they just don't lose one parent you know today when we talk about india as a society we say it takes a village to raise a child it does it takes an entire family to raise a child so the child has lost not just one parent grandparents uncles aunts cousins half his roots while the other half is teaching them to lie and hate mm. what do you think is going to happen in the words of one of the judges said it is like asking a child to go through life with one arm one leg one eye so what parental alienation does is it literally decreases the life expectancy of the child by 20 years that is why i say it is literally murder by slow poisoning one of the things that as a therapist uh you would see probably more often than someone like me does is the effect of children on seeing her or his parents fighting bickering and in conflict true children lose out a large chunk of their childhood memory and i think it's a price that children pay which they truly don't deserve hmm. you know so when you have a parent amputee you know a parent amputee is someone who is extracted away from the equation of child raising they do not have a role anymore in the upbringing of the child so this entire process of parent amputation costs the child you know it's is devastating for the parent who has been amputated but the biggest loser in this entire war is the child and today i think the entire focus of our podcast our interaction is if we can bring people's focus on a more humanitarian way of approaching these crises you know that's that's right in fact yes. we're doing this across a two part series True. Uh, it will examine various dimensions various perspectives and and you know people sharing their absolutely stories. the need of the hour yeah now here is a person who went through something very similar was estranged from her child was separated from her only child but managed to channel that mother's grief into something that you know that that paved the path for so many other parents we have with us in fact on the call gazal rena she is the founder of milap it's a support group that is meant for parents who've been separated from their children gazal rena welcome onto the show hi vasanthi Thank you so much for having me here, Gazal. We also have with us my co-host, Professor Sunita Mani, and uh, Sunita is a, is a therapist by training. But first, to ask you, Gazal, that Milap at the moment, if you want to tell our listeners what is uh, it all about. Um, a big hello to Professor, and thank you for having me here. 
Milap is a social support group. We I started this group about four years back. Um, I I started it because I realized that there was no space or no um, community for parents who go through something called as estrangement um, and find support on dealing with that uh, phase of life. So, non-custodial parents, for the understanding of our listeners, is are those who have not got the custody of their children uh, following the divorce or separation. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Interestingly, in India, um, we don't hear much uh, noise or talk about estrangement. I think it is catching up in the in the last few years. Uh, at the same time, the numbers are overwhelming. The numbers are heartbreaking. The stories are extremely sad when you hear how parents are not able to even have a phone call, a weekly phone call, which has been mandated by the court for one of the parents uh, followed through. So we don't have any uh, organization who is probably declaring this, but we think this is a social pandemic. Generally, most people, when they go through an emotional crisis or a trauma, the tendency is to cut off or shut down or move away from anything that reminds them of, you know, the previous experience. And I just sit here and wonder, how is it that you dived right into the nucleus of your pain and then created something, you know, where you resurrected yourself and gave a platform for people who are suffering silently. When I uh, initially went through the separation mm -hmm. and the legal journey that was going on, I, of course, like a lot of people, experienced a complete rootlessness, um, in not just socially, emotionally, financially, right. uh, as well as mentally. And um, I've said this a lot of times that, uh, what happened to me uh, at at one one of those moments was like an aha moment. Uh, I was trying to, you know, I was grappling to make sense of uh, why this had happened to me, or what was life doing to me. Um, I was dealing with the enormous grief and loss of uh, my family, uh, despite the separation and the divorce going on. There is a lot of loss and grief that you that you feel at the years gone by. And right there at that moment, I almost had a voice uh, asking me, you know, uh, please understand why this is happening to you. Uh, what is the purpose of your life? And it at that moment, it was such a wake-up call for me uh, to ask myself this question, to look beyond just my own pain and understand what someone else like me would be going through. Um, it was, I would say, almost like a, I would not say an instant transformation, transmutation of the pain, but a transformation of thought. Uh, and I right. started to just randomly what most of us do is Google and find out what really happens when someone goes through a divorce. And I could relate to the information given and I could understand that uh, this is a phase of life which is extremely traumatic. It's, li it's listed actually in the top three or five most traumatic experiences someone could go through. Right. And I realized the need for finding a safe place so where you would not be judged, where you would not probably be um, traumatized further, you would not be criticized, 
um and i found that uh, a support group could do that is there anything like call uh, a healing i mean do do people do parents reconcile or or is there a constant hope of the child actually coming child or grown up adult uh, coming back to them and uh, Uh, how does that play out and and how do they even get to know about the child's welfare if the child has blocked uh, you know intentionally or or uh, otherwise is there hope in the life of people who are going through estrangement will the children ever come back oh oh yes there are so many remarkable stories but it is not so much as about the other parent or the other child but i realize it's about the transformation within So what Milab does is one create a safe space for people who can come and share that this is what I'm going through. There are so many people who have said, "Gazal, I've never ever told someone that my children don't speak to me," and I can tell you it is more difficult for men than it is for women because of so you know the reasons that probably all of us know the way we are wired. We the reason why we bring a lot of uh, experts here is that there has to be first. along the legal process that you are fighting or you know trying to get access or you know find trying to find fairness right. is there is a lot of healing that is required and that happens one through an internal journey two is through the assistance of experts whether it is meditation whether it is counseling whether it is um any other more healing modality that so many people across the country vasanti are giving free of cost pro bono to milap it's really remarkable it is a process of also understanding the perspective a lot of people who come to group only see their pain but i can tell you that a lot of us have trans uh, sort of transformed to the other side where we can see why our children must be doing this mm. that's i think the biggest shift i have felt in the last 6 to 7 years that i started working on estrangement around which i started milap is i started to see what is it that my child would be feeling towards me and somehow that's where you become the parent and then you grow uh, through that process of estrangement what would your wish be as in what would really make things better in the existing system uh, in india for the child i mean of course the the entire approach uh, ought to be child centric as as one believes but what is your wisdom on this right a lot of couples can tide over their differences if they go through a good well structured couples counseling and that should be made mandatory before anyone enters the court it, it can be made uh, you know couples can be made to pay for it um, if i have to say so when they are ready to pay the legal system they should be put through at least 3 to 6 months of counseling they may not agree to stay with each other anymore but at least they will not have so much of angst against each other and that's the reason that they cannot co-parent does the estranged parent have an additional responsibility of proving to be a good parent gazal oh yes oh yes there is there is always pressure from from media from society from our family uh, our own personal values that uh, on parenting there is uh, intrinsically a questioning of yourself that you start going through of the so many years right from the time your children are born to your, the role that you have played and and this could happen both to children who are experiencing alienation as well estrangement right. they begin to question the memories they begin to question did my parent or did my child ever love me now the thing is that 
most of us don't even have access to children so how do you how do you prove yourself whom do you prove it to mm. so the the war is actually within uh, and that that could be a very dangerous uh, uh, place to have a war or a conflict with so uh, there is a lot of guilt uh, there is uh, a, a lot of uh, i would say sadness there is a lot of grief a uh, grief uh, i would say people don't process very well uh, they constantly process anger and they get mm. stuck on it so they they blame they always want to find the other parent to blame uh freeing yourself from from that i'm not saying that we did not cause the alienation yes we could have had a role to play uh letting go of that guilt is very important understanding that uh you need to first uh heal within so that you could have a better relationship with your child in in the coming future is is very important so it, it is a lot of work that we need to do Absolutely. and and while while we constantly want to reach out to our children and tell them that there is a better work in work in progress parent that you can expect from uh from me now uh there is there is a there is a lot of work that one needs to take up and i would say spiritually maybe we have been, we have been put in this into this place so that we could evolve Kasal uh, hats off to you and the the grit that you have shown the, to move beyond the personal pain and to to actually make something and clearly uh, you know bringing this on a larger public uh, discourse would really through this podcast support uh that that effort and initiative of yours uh, for sure gazal thank you so much for being on the show with us thank you gazal thank for you so much your journey with us and um, you know i must congratulate you because your efforts um add up to making our world a little less lonely thank you so much thank you for having me here and um taking this message across to many many more uh, not just non custodial custodial parents but all the children listening into our children Yeah. um because i don't think they hear the voice of their other parents so if this show can do that why not thank you so much one of the things that uh we need more conversations more data on mm-hmm. is about the impact of all this that we have spoken about on the children in very definite terms because if we are evaluating the health of the country then the health of its future citizens absolutely uh, sunita so i during the course of um, my read on this subject i came across the bamboo foundation which which mm-hmm. uh, is is doing work in that direction in fact they are very much into advocacy and looking at it as a child rights issue so i'm so, i'm okay. happy that today we are having the founder of of the bamboo foundation join us uh, on on the show dr uh, rakesh kapoor uh, besides being the founder of bamboo tree children's foundation um he is is a very very vocal person um in, in the space the ngo here conducts research and advocacy uh on child rights and is currently focused on raising awareness on children of separated parents wow. uh, dr rakesh kapoor is a member of the global parental alienation study group it's called the pasg uh it has published multiple articles and research papers i have watched some of their uh videos online and uh, you know each one gives you a new insight not just in uh, about india but about uh, what's happening globally mm-hmm. and uh, this bamboo foundation has also conducted a pan india survey on family courts in india because that's a very 
integral piece i mean that is the place where the destiny of the child is decided in some ways right. where the decision is taken of which parent uh, is the larger chunk of the child's life going to be spent with uh, so uh, they've done this pan india survey dr kapoor has also conducted several workshops for family court judges along with uh, state judicial academies across the country great pleasure in inviting you uh, dr kapoor on to this show welcome from both me and my co-host professor sunita mani thank you so much hi vasanthi pleasure to be on your show and i am so delighted that you're taking up this amazing topic which needs a lot more awareness i will in fact start with that dr kapoor why do you think uh, not enough has been said or done about this topic per se why do you why do you get the feeling I, i'm sure you have data that bears this out no so uh, let's start with you know and like you mentioned in my introduction that we did the uh, survey all across india now what is happening is that india is going through a huge social revolution where rapidly rising divorce rates hmm. are causing our children to be impacted significantly this is something that has happened globally for many years but in india it has happened at such a fast pace over the last about 20 years that we've been completely woefully unprepared whether it's the government the judiciary specifically and the schools even the society at large just hasn't been able to appreciate it you know today let's look at it simply our government still talks about that the divorce rates in india is about 2% mm. while they're actually close to about 16% I mean that's the kind of survey data that we've actually found and if you look at urban metro cities they are 30% which means there's a serious what? underplaying of uh, divorce figures is that to keep up the image of you know culturally it it, it matters to to have an uh, you know have a picture that, that not all is so sad when it comes to marriage as an institution one out of three children today are going to schools impacted by this issue yet the government for whatever reasons whether it's cultural whether it's ignorance whether it's just too many other issues i can't state but they just have no clue and you know fortunately 1984 way back in 1984 about 20 years almost back mm-hmm. india passed this amazing uh, very progressive legislation the family courts act right you know at that time we thought that our people were extremely well aware but unfortunately on the ground the situation is terrible it's extremely worrying four out of five children who walk in into the family court system crawl out of it semi often oh. you know by semi often that means that they just don't lose one parent you know today and when we talk about india as a society we say it takes a village to raise a child it does it takes an entire family to raise a child so the child has lost not just one parent grandparents uncles aunts cousins half his roots it's a terrible situation to be in and that is exactly what's even uh, come out even in our survey which says even 9 out of 10 that is 89% of the lawyers and judges are saying that our family court system has failed our children miserably and is in need for drastic reforms when we speak of reforms dr kapoor uh before which the question is 
you as an organization have even mapped the health impact or or you know you've you've brought in through your videos that one has watched about right. the effect on both the child as well as a parent who has been alienated in this case just how right. bad is it no absolutely it is you know so before i even talk about you know for your listeners let me just put it what is the end result of this parental alienation right what is for the child because child is the primary victim in this whole thing the child loses half their family while the other half is teaching them to lie and hate mm. what do you think is going to happen in the words of one of the judges said it is like asking a child to go through life with one arm one leg one eye it's hard it's that bad but coming back now to real data on this you know dr ab baker and dr mandy matheson studied adults from us australia chile germany netherlands thailand belgium england everywhere across the world and the data is shocking you know what they did they actually interviewed adults who were alienated as children given you know, multiple number of them all across these countries 55% of them suffer from depression and anxiety disorders 55% of them are abusing alcohol 35% are abusing drugs 40% of them have personality dysfunction or have been diagnosed with personality disorders 35% have either already committed self harm or they have severe suicidal tendencies you know how i like to put it across is mm. parental alienation is literally murder by slow poisoning You know, so the way we look at the uh, medicine practice of medicine today has changed with what we call as the ACEs, that is the adverse childhood experiences. Right. So what parental alienation does is it literally decreases the life expectancy of the child by twenty years. That is why I say it is literally murder by slow poisoning. You know, and the child doesn't die just because of these. heart attacks come at a much earlier age mm. liver diseases liver failures happen much earlier respiratory disorders bone disorders all of them are happening at 10 times the rate in children who have been alienated today and as adults so, you know so we're Dr. talking Kapoor, about you yeah. you did mention the survey in these countries so does it mean that these are countries uh, or this is the impact where uh, legal systems of and good uh, uh, case studies of co-parenting is not in place because what is the solution therefore if parents have to split if 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 two people two adults cannot get together they have to separate and part what is a Absol good way therefore absolutely so this data is obviously about alienated children because these people struggle with the same issue of the social revolution earlier at least about 4 to 5 decades before us and this is what they found so what is the solution 60 studies on 2.5 lakh children all across the world 36 different countries have clearly stated you want to remove all the ill effects of chiller of divorce or parental separation practice shared parenting shared parenting by definition means 35% of the child's time should be with either parent right Right. come what may and you know the funny part is a lot of people say oh but what if there is conflict between parents then what do you do 
even in that case, shared parenting. Because as one of the researchers put it very beautifully, loss of a parent is the cut. You want a band-aid, the only way you can do that is by bringing the parent back into the child's life. That is the only healing factor that can heal the child. In case there is huge difference in parenting styles, even then, shared parenting. Difference in income levels, difference in any kind of, you know, the two households may be different. Shared parenting produces the most optimal results. There is the debate on this is long over now. How do we make sure that there is law at at one place, but actual, you know, in the home situation for the child to not come into any harm or parents to not say these vicious or toxic things, right? So this basically means that the parents have to be made aware of co-parenting, regardless of what the legal process is. Absolutely. So, you know, various countries have followed some various ways to do this. So, you know, the most extreme examples are countries like Brazil, Mexico, and Romania, who've made it parental alienation into a criminal offense. So by law, right? So, but the way to actually, I believe, is to start off with, is that the moment any two parents walk in into the family courts, the first thing that they must be done is a workshop must be conducted to the, for them, a mandatory one to two days of workshop where they must be told about in detail about the impact of this on the child. The worldwide experience is that almost about 30% of the parents when given this kind of information naturally desist. Mm. 70% don't. The second major thing that needs to be done, and I'm sure um, as a psychotherapist, Professor Sunita Ma'am would definitely vouch, we find that almost about 50 to 60% of these parents are suffering from personality disorders, typically either the borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder. Therefore, like UK has set up a body called of known as CASCAS, C-A-F-C-A-S-S, that's an acronym, where they have put in child psychologists and psychologists to evaluate the parent. And that, uh, and also do counseling for these parents. Therefore, a court attached body must be put in. The third thing is, I think a huge mindset change needs to come in sure. in the society, which is to say, we must identify parental alienation as child abuse. And the moment it is identified as child abuse, as it is done in countries all over, including by United Nations, by WHO, by American Psychological Association, everybody recognizes it as child abuse. Therefore, the first absolutely mandatory thing that we need to do is protect the child. Therefore, whatever it takes, whether it's psychological evaluation, shift of custody, training on counseling of parents, and lastly, if So, you know, I look at it this way. So American Psychological Association did a study where they found emotional abuse leads to outcomes worse than even sexual abuse of children. Therefore, the only question I would like to leave your listeners with is if we find one parent is taking good care of education, clothes, 
and uh, food for the child, but is sexually abusing the child, what action do you think should be taken? I love this statement and I would like to really put it across sure. to what Mr. Nelson Mandela once said. There is no greater revelation of the soul of a society than the way it treats its children. Yeah. Therefore, if we do not first take care and protect our children, we do not have the right to call ourselves even a civilized society. Indeed. Very... And very yeah. often in the in the in the public imagination, the media, we we feel or pe uh, people feel that the judges are not or the lawyers are not sensitive enough uh, to to uh, to children. This position of a parent in in a divorce and separation situation. So, right. um, is that what you found? And and what, what's been your experience in the workshops? What are people from that uh, judicial system telling you? So, you know, we're obviously getting mixed, uh, this thing, but by and large, there are two things. Number one, there is very poor education and awareness and training, even of the judges. You know, it's like literally, you know, I can't blame the judges as individuals because when they come into the system, they come in with their own biases in life, right? And they cannot be removed unless training and education is done, which is at a very, very poor level. Second is, I believe that the judicial system needs a support structure, you know, a support structure of psychologists or counselors, support structure of investigators to be able to find the truth because the judges are actually probing in the dark. So, you know, unfortunately, because of two, these two reasons, we see what is happening in Indian family courts as what I call as parentectomy. You know, it's a medical term wherein what we do is we deliberately, surgically remove one parent from a child's life. That is what, you know, just the way we have an appendix, when we remove an appendix, it's called as appendicectomy, right? Because it's a toxic. So we remove a parent and that is what they've ended up doing. Lastly, because, you know, I would really like your listeners to ever walk in into a child's family court complex and just see inside the visitation complex of a 300 square feet room, 20 children along with their parents, grandparents are all crying. Somebody is shouting, police is there and they expect a parent-child bonding to happen in a complex like this. So therefore, the mm -hmm. infrastructure is lacking. The support system is completely lacking. The training is completely lacking. Unless these three things are taken care of, I really don't think I can blame the judges, but I must blame the judicial system in over. Right? Finally, just try and imagine, you know, Vasanti, as you might have a daughter, try and think about it, daughter or a son. Mm -hmm. Imagine that you are your daughter or a son is being called to be interviewed in the same complex where criminals are all around you. It's not as if the family courts are separate from, you know, the civil and the, right? Yeah. They are coming in and a stranger takes them inside a room and asks them questions. And that stranger is maybe a judge, but he's asking him questions like, Beta, 
Who do you want to live with, your mother or your father? What kind of a question is this? And I see seven out of ten judges asking that kind of a question. That's like asking a child saying, "Do you want your right arm or your left arm?" I'm going to remove one arm from you. How is that even something that we accept as humans? By drawing this word picture for us, our, our listeners, uh, Dr. Rakesh Kapoor, you've, you know, you've kind of given an idea of something which we don't imagine. I mean, even enough when, let's say, we get to know that a friend has um, yeah. divorced or separated from her or his partner, and then the child is going to then, you know, go with one of them. This yeah. is not the image that first comes to mind. Thank you for. Um, bringing in the larger context and and globally of course it's such an important issue but would like to thank you once again for being on the show thank you thank Dr. you Kapoor. so much miss vasanthi and thank you so much uh, professor sunita thank i you. am really indebted to all of you bye thank you bye naturally a child is loyal to its parents you know so when you have a child who rejects one of the parent and chooses to live life with the other person there are basically three ways that a child does it so the first case scenario is where if the child is subjected to narcissistic parental alienation if you are someone who is subjected to you know narcissistic parental alienation syndrome what happens is you you know the person would put the child through silent treatment you know not speaking well showing a kind of dislike mm. for having gone you know making the child question you know did i just betray someone who is you know putting a roof over my head and providing uh, did i make this person feel bad by going so every act you know and there's a lot of confusion over there there's a lot of brain fog over there but you agreed mm. you sent me so should i um, you know was it my responsibility to say no Right, or they or might go there and and yet probably yes. stay distant or express yes. my dislike. Yes. And especially when they come back and share an instant, you know, we were playing and then mom just pushed me and I was about to fall and then you know, thank goodness nothing happened. And this person would give an exaggerated response. Oh, you fell? She pushed you? And the child would be like, No, 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 we were just playing. You know, I just can't believe that someone can just push a child, and the child is confused. Mm. Oh, is this the way I must be perceiving this whole thing? Right. You know, so you put on a front like Mother Teresa, Part Thirty Four, in front of your child and confuse the child. Hmm. You know, so manipulate a sense of coercion in the child itself. So, in this kind of scenario, then the child rejects. the parent because it doesn't want to it believes that you know by doing so i'm keeping mm. the peace yeah. for the other parent right and just detest anything to do with other person so that i i know that this is what you are expecting of me and you're providing for me so i'll do this for you the second could be that um you know if the child has a attachment trauma that is you know the period from 0 to 5 if the parent has not spent considerable amount of time due to ill health or because of work then you know when there is a custody battle there could be clearly a sense where the child without remorse 
mm. could reject the other parent and that is why the primary uh, years of a child's life having both the parents at least until the age of 8 seems crucial because after that the child has a stronger sense of self and personal beliefs and ideologies generally building into you know its developmental ages that's going to follow later on and the third case scenario is where you have a child who is suffering from personality disorder hmm. okay now this is where uh, you know uh, you have a deeply biological propensity to ingrain something on one of the parents if they have some kind of a mental illness then it can show up in a child during its adolescence period hmm and in that case scenario a child can reject a parent without remorse and this has got nothing to do with the let's say the parents warring or fighting or in a divorce or separation scenario so it's a matter of time no vasanthi hmm. how long can you brainwash a person hmm you know after a certain period of time uh, the child when it goes well into adulthood can get a sense of reality Right. you know uh, and it's also an opportunity for the child to not look at the parents from the parental pedestal you know here you would have a child who's able to look at the parents as you know another human life mm. who have brought me into this wonderful world i'm grateful to them but that is about it right. there is no romanticizing uh, you know or idol worshiping the parents like okay you know they've given me my life and yeah. you know so these are the children uh, you know who are well developed adult who mm. can look at another human being and take them for their flaws and also the humanness yeah yeah why we say that we also have uh, examples of um successful co-parenting even before it became a fad i mean we have a celebrity case Amazing, like Gulzar Sahab and yes, you yes, know Rakhi Boski yeah. uh, has actually spoken about in interviews where and i quoted this this in in my article as well sunita about yes. how she really felt like it was from one room into another she you know i smiled like when i read it you uh-huh. know it, that's how it should be yeah. you yeah. know and it's beautiful you know uh, co-parenting if we, if we can achieve that yeah. i think it's going to be phenomenal because you get the best of both worlds and this is something that i want to you know uh, i want this message to reach out to all those parents Uh, who have parted ways and you know a single person is raising the child up give scope for the child to ask every question possible under the sun and it's not going to be easy because one it's very shocking when you hear your offspring come and you know uh, throw a arrow of question which you never expected to come from your child you know you hate dada but how is it you love me and as adults as people who want to be a role model for our next generation i think we need to be well prepared to answer questions like this if you can give an answer to the child then it will expand the way the child perceives this world so give scope for your child to ask questions you know don't you know don't marinate in the uh, you know in the emotional 
appeal that I have done so much for my child and my child comes around and says that, you know, what is the point of celebrating my birthday when you can't give me a gift like my uh, other parent gives me? You know, these kind of things. Let every question exhaust in the child's mind and you will be surprised to meet the adult on the other side of this reality. It's literally, you know, Asatoma Sadgamaya. It's really a journey from darkness to light. So there are multiple scenarios. There are so many possibilities of parenting. And I think we've discussed some of those. In part two of this episode of Children Caught in Parental Wars, tune in to listen to the voices of parents. An estranged father who shares with us that he's seen as a troublemaker by some parts of the society. And also of a mother who consciously decided to give custody of her only child to the child's father. Thank you for watching this episode of the Emotional First Aid Show. If you like what you heard, do subscribe and write in with your comments and suggestions. Thanks again for watching.